Welcome, welcome to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku. I work with leaders in healthcare research, STEM, and other technical fields who want to develop an authentic leadership identity and create a healthy, inclusive workplace environment to retain the best people doing their best work. In other words, developing the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. This season, we are focusing on developing identity, leadership identity, that is, the second stage of my strategic leadership pathway model. And today, we're talking with Jacqueline Lane and Scott Osman, co-authors with Marshall Goldsmith of Becoming Coachable. Welcome, both of you. Great to be here with you, Mara. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Now, uh, as a reminder to our audience, we value evidence-based practical solutions. So be ready, take notes, I always do, reflect deeply, and identify at least one small step to further develop your hard skills muscle. Let me introduce them a little bit more so you can learn about our guest today. So Scott Osmond is the founder and CEO of 100 Coaches Agency and co-designer of their proprietary curation process and the company's relationship-first philosophy. In his role as CEO, he establishes the vision for the company, leads partnerships and business development, and serves as a leading light of the 100 Coaches community, which he co-founded with Marshall Goldsmith in 2016. He is the co-founder of Methods by 100 Coaches, the online learning platform. Now, Jacqueline Lane is the president of 100 Coaches Agency and co-designer of their proprietary curation process and relationship-first philosophy. She has been with the agency since its founding and is a critical pillar of the 100 Coaches community. Jacqueline comes to the world of executive coaching through her previous roles in the energy industry and lifelong commitment to improving the lives of all people by elevating the quality of leadership. Now, I became aware of them because I was a founding member in their cohort of Forefront, which is powered by 100 Coaches Agency. So that's kind of a little connection there. Welcome again, Jacqueline and Scott. I kind of like the fact that you're in the same room. That is... I guess, unusual these days. Isn't that nice? Oh, it's wonderful. In fact, well, we actually started working together early in the pandemic. And so we had never even met in person uh, for over a year of working together. So we're we're one of those uh, COVID companies. And uh, when, when the restrictions started lifting, I actually made the decision to move from Austin, Texas to New York City so that we could collaborate in person. Uh, It's been, it was great to build so many relationships over Zoom, but uh, even oh better. Oh my gosh. I, I love, love that story. I still have people that I've connected with um, only over Zoom and LinkedIn and have not yet met in person, which is kind of shocking. It's been years, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I love that you're in the same room. You're able to work together in real life now. <laughs> um, by the way, if you're watching this right now or on the recording, I'm going to warn you that um, I have a cough. I'm trying to manage it. I've taken all the medications. I have my, you know, um, little lozenges. I have my my tea here. So just like just a warning. That's what I'm dealing with right now. Okay, let's get into it. So um, let's start with just sharing a little bit about Hunter Coaches Agency and how you became interested in this work in the first place. Got one? You kick us off. Sure. Um... I actually didn't know anything about um, coaching uh, 10 years ago. I was introduced to Marshall, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, number one executive coach, leadership thinker. And, um, and just, it was, it was just interesting. We hit it off. And then he called me up one day and he said, I want to teach 15 people everything I know about coaching because my mentors, Peter Drucker and Francis Hesselbein taught me everything they knew. Uh, he had taken a workshop with Aisha Bursell, uh, one of the members of our community and asked me if I would help him set up that very first uh, workshop. So he put up a video on LinkedIn and 12,000 people applied. It's now, I think it's now over 20,000 people have applied to be part of this. Um, and we did the first workshop in December of 2016. Uh, eventually we ended up picking 25 people um, and it went really well. So we did it again and again. And by December of 2017, we had a hundred people in um, that we had sort of run through these workshops, but it turns out we were also building community. Um, it's a combination of leaders, leadership thinkers, and leadership coaches. Um, and uh, unbeknownst to us, we hadn't really thought of it at the time, 
But each of those are fairly lonely professions, mm. right? A leadership coach is working one-on-one with a handful of people and uh, leadership experts typically write books and give keynote speeches. So while they're with a lot of people, they're not really connecting with them on an ongoing basis. Um, and gosh, leadership is just one of the loneliest professions in the world. Um, and so uh, we we started to build a community of people who uh, felt like they had found a family and had created a home. And since then, the community has grown to about 400 people. Um, after about three years of building the community, uh, we had been aggregating some of the best coaches in the world. Um, and so uh, people started calling looking for coaches. And for a year, I casually recommended coaches to executives who were looking for coaches and then realized something bigger was happening, that it turns out that it's difficult to find top coaches in the world because they are all solo entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Jacqueline at that time. And together, we developed what's now our curation process, uh, which is our specialized approach to matching some of the best leaders in the world with the best coaches in the world. And then um, about a year ago, uh, we were we were kind of thinking, you know, how do people prepare for coaching? How do they know if they're right? Because that's a question that we get quite frequently. Um, and we looked around for any kind of books or information about that, um, and there wasn't any. So, um, and this is this is super rapid. Uh, so, literally in November of last year, uh, we decided to write the book, uh, which is now the book Becoming Coachable. Um, we started working on it in January. We finished it in. May. Uh, we had hard copies of it to share with our friends in June wow. um, at a big annual meeting that we had. And it was released on September 19th. And by October 1st, it was a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Mm. So it's been quite a ride. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's been quite a ride because um, the idea of becoming coachable really resonates with people. Yeah. And it's it's been an amazing journey over the last Three and I guess almost an, and a yeah. half years, where now we've we've established the hundred coaches agency, grown rapidly, um, now placed over three hundred executives with coaches, and mm -hmm. um, and feel so blessed and privileged to get to work with so many of the top coaches and thinkers in the world. And of course, uh, it's all this wonderful self reinforcing and and growing community. Mm. Um, what what a whirlwind and um, such an amazing result. And clearly it's because the need was there. You mm -hmm. saw the need and you met the need um, out of curiosity. So let's, let's just um, <laughs> share the basics here, sure. right? What's, what does it mean to be coachable? Mm -hmm. And well, let's start there. What does it mean to be coachable? Sure. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'll lead. Please. And then, you know, so, um, you know, so uh, in writing the book and coming up with the idea of becoming coachable, uh, we surveyed our community who, uh, you know, some of the top coaches in the world, and they came back with us uh, to us with some answers, uh, which we distilled down to four key attributes, uh, which we now call our openness framework. It's in the book. Um, and the first attribute of the openness framework is being open to change, um, which, you know, if you, when you hear it, it sounds obvious and simple. And yet how often is it that someone says, you know, I want to coach, uh, but I'm not really willing to change. Like I want the coach to do the work for me, or I'm pretty happy with where I am right now. And, you know, quite frankly, if you're not open to change, our advice is don't waste your time and money on coaching because coaching is all about change. In fact, leadership really is all about change and, uh, and change is hard. Yeah. And then the second step that we identified from, again, talking to so many people in our community is this idea of being open to feedback. In fact, that's very much embedded in the process of being coached. Uh, but it's not just in the process of being coached. It's also in the process of leadership, right? You are going to be constantly hearing feedback. That's part of how we learn and grow and, and be better, uh, especially in a complex thing like leadership, where there are a lot of different stakeholders and a lot of different people at play. We have to be open to hearing uh, what other people have to say or how we're being perceived. What are some of the uh, strengths that are happening in our organization? What are we doing well and what do we need to improve? Uh, and so being open to feedback. is that right. And of that? course, with Marshall's guidance, being open to feedback naturally means um, receiving it without judgment. Um, Marshall's, Marshall's guidance always is when someone gives you feedback, recognize that feedback is a gift. When someone gives you a gift, the only appropriate answer is thank you. Um, and that has really been a, man, that is such a great 
uh, piece of advice that we certainly use regularly. Um, yeah. The third, the third attribute in the openness framework, again, like I, I, I do feel like so many of these things are so obvious and yet, you know, Marshall also often says, you know, it's simple, but hard. Um, so the third one is being open to taking action, right? So you can be open to change and that's great. And you can listen to the feedback and say, thank you. Um, but if you're not willing to actually take action based on the change that you perceive is needed and the feedback you're receiving, then again, you're not really ready to become coachable because coaching and being coachable is really all about making those changes that create, a, you know, make you a better leader and, you know, improve the lives of the people around you. Yeah. And then, of course, that last step in the openness framework is being open to being held accountable because there's there's change and then there's lasting change. But lasting change really only happens when there is accountability. Now, that's not to say that's always the case. Sometimes we have these unlock moments, these realizations where things are kind of forever different. Uh, we're forever changed people. Those that's for uh, those are real for sure. Uh, but a lot of things, especially the consistency that's required of leadership, uh, requires accountability. Um, and oftentimes, accountability is best done with another human being. We can, of course, have apps and systems and methods of tracking, and all of that's great. But we find that the people who most consistently stick with their goals and accomplish the things they set out to do uh, are people who have some system of accountability, usually in the form of another person. Yeah. So as simple as that, just being open to change, feedback, taking action and being held accountable and boom, there you go. <laughs> now you're coachable. <laughs> now you're coachable. Yeah. I mean, um, yes, the fact is it, it's absolutely true that these sound simple and they are hard skills uh, yeah. to actually enact. I, you know, um, starting with the first, I mean, we all say, yes, I want feedback or give me mm -hmm. feedback. But most of the time, we just want the positive feedback. We just want you to say what we're doing well. We don't want to hear the negative, especially if we haven't already sort of assessed that in ourselves and it's like brand new to us. And so, um, and, and being open to change, you know, so many of us start all kinds of things that we say we want to change, whether that's like, I want um, to build muscle, I want to lose some weight or, you know, like those health goals that we have in the beginning of the year that just like peter off. It's not like we don't want the change, but to make it happen is the hard part about it. It's the sticking to it. It's the accountability piece. It's the taking action, like you said, right? That's the hard part. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It, I do think that it gets harder as you go <laughs> through that framework. For sure. Um, so I'm, I'm totally aligned with you there. But it, it takes hard work. It takes effort. Right. There's no denying. But, but you know what? Um, if you do it, it works. Um, Marshall's fond of saying it doesn't work some of the time. Uh, it works all the time. If you, if you really do it, if you, you know, if you are open to change and feedback and you take action and are held accountable, uh, you'll see that change. It's just unavoidable. Absolutely. So we're nearing an ad break. When we come back, let's talk about the challenges to this and how it differs from, you know, other methods that we might use for change. Um, mm -hmm. You're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and our guests, Jacqueline Lane and Scott Osman. We now air on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. If you'd like to join our online audience and ask questions, we can answer them right now in real time. Find us on LinkedIn or YouTube at Talk Radio NYC, and we'll be right back with our guests in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. 
What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome, welcome back with our guests, Jacqueline Lane and Scott Osmond of Becoming Coachable, which yes, I do have the wow. book and it's fully wow. tagged up with so many underlines wow. and comments all throughout. So I did enjoy it. It was really, really good. Um, so big fan here. Um, for those of you tuning in live, welcome, welcome in. So we were talking about what it means to becoming coachable. And you shared four things, the first being being open to change, then open to feedback, open to taking action, and open to being held accountable, which all sound easy, but they mm-hmm. are not in real action, real life, right? Now, yep. one question I had for you is how do you how do you distinguish this um, from, let's say, supervision, which sometimes we get lots of all of these um, through supervision? Um, mentorship, right? Or a consultant. Um, Each of these sort of groups of people do some of the same things as coaches, right? And in in order to receive the feedback, be open to change, it kind of works um, in lots of different kinds of relationships, right? Are there ways that you distinguish being coachable for a coach, coaching engagement versus for a supervisory mentorship consulting or other type of relationship? It's it's a really important question. Um, and of course, there. Well, I'd like to distinguish, of course, a little bit between the types of coaching that might be received. Certainly, I've been a, a collegiate athlete. So the type of coaching that I received in an athletic sense is different than executive coaching uh, and some of these other methodologies. However, learning to be coachable is a great meta skill that allows us to engage with all of those different types of coaching, understanding that not everyone is a skilled or trained or, or talented coach. Uh, but nonetheless, the skill set of being coachable is something that applies to all different aspects of leadership in life. You know, learning to take feedback or engage with our spouses, uh, friends, family members, colleagues, uh, that can be a really important, fulfilling thing. But I would, of course, like to go back to your point and, and distinguish that, of course, not everyone is skilled at providing feedback or holding you accountable the same way that a coach will, because a coach is that's I mean, that is part of their profession uh, and what they do on a regular basis. And so that makes them a very skilled and safe place to practice the skills of becoming coachable. Uh, and they, a coach will naturally guide you through that process as well. Anything you'd like to add, Scott? Yeah, I, the, the thing I'd add is um, the coach relationship is a very unusual relationship. Um, in the coaching relationship, the only, the only person that matters to a coach is you, mm-hmm. right? That is, that is their sole care and objective. Uh, in a mentor relationship, there's there's some notion that a mentor cares about you, but they also care about their own status within the organization because often it's within the organization. They have some competing interests. And so while a mentor is good at helping elevate you, they're not going to give you the same kind of clear feedback that you might get from a coach. Uh, and then, of course, consultants are there to do the work. So uh, they're not coaching at all. Yeah, and... um you're uh, also making me think about like some mentors are um, what I would call narcissistic mentoring, which is Mm -hmm. like, they see you as a narcissistic extension of them. And so the feedback that they give you is more about them wanting to see legacy through you 
rather than what might be best for you. So it's really important to assess the relationship and the purpose of the relationship and what you're personally seeking in order to to decide is a coach what I'm looking for here instead of, you know, a, a different kind of relationship. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not, but that's a really important question to ask yourself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so important to to really map out what are those incentives, because I think that provides a lot of clarity about what the relationship is um, and drives human behavior in a lot of ways. Right. I think the, the one thing, I think you make a, a great point. Uh, the one thing you can be sure of with a coach, good coach, uh, is the coach has your interest at heart, right? Because that is really a good coach. Yes. A good coach. That's why, that's why I put the caveat in, you know, uh, all of our coaches are good coaches, but, but yeah, I mean, you want to be careful. In fact, I think, uh, as you kind of point out a coach who doesn't have your interest first, uh, is not, is not really the coach that you want Mm -hmm. because it's really important. This is such a precious relationship. Um, and if it's done properly, it creates incredible value and growth. And um, and, and there's no reason to waste the time or money if it, to not have it done properly. Right. And that's also part of why I think we're seeing a shift towards more external coaches. There are a number of companies that have internal coaches, uh, and that can be really helpful in some contexts. But I think a lot of people are seeing that having someone who's external uh, and a third party to what's going on, is actually very helpful and makes it very clear that their sole goal uh, is the success of you, their client. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You mentioned that you get a lot of questions from leaders about how to prepare themselves for coaching, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say I'm a leader who is, you know, really interested in, coaching for my own personal professional leadership development to just, you know, just be the very best leader I can for my organization, for myself, for others, and make the highest level of impact. Right. Um, and, you know, I've, I've sort of um, said, I want change. I want the feedback. I, I, this is important to me. Are there things that I, that I could find myself doing that get in the way of that? that um, sabotage my own success in coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you want to take this or you want? Go for it. If you yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I love so, yeah, because I'm thinking about my own experience with coaching. And um, I, uh, so I didn't know anything about coaching before I met Marshall. Um, and then I was around all these coaches. And I thought, yeah, I'm around all these coaches. I should get coached. And, um, and started talking to them and saying, you know, I'm looking for a coach. And they'd say, great, I'd love to coach you. Uh, and they'd say, well, what do you want to work on? And, um, and I would say, I don't know, like, things are pretty good. Uh, I, don't, I don't really have anything I want to work on. And, um, and they would say, well, we can't coach you if you don't know what you want to work on. Uh, so um, in the first blush, like, not knowing, like, what I want to, like, lean into um, I guess, I guess you could say I wasn't open to change, but I didn't look at it that way at the time. Uh, just not knowing what I wanted to lean into, uh, was getting in my way. And then Jacqueline said, you know, um, you're really good. You have a lot of great answers. You're, you're really good at coming up with solutions, but you don't have to have all the answers. Uh, and in fact, having all the answers, uh, kind of blocks other people from contributing. So maybe, um, so that was sort of my little, I guess you could call that coaching. But then with that, with that, uh, it sort of unlocked this idea that, um, you know, gee, I could be, I could be coached, uh, into that. And I found a coach mm-hmm. and that coach, uh, said, great. Well, now that you know that, uh, let's, let's get rid of the limiting belief. And this is really how he framed it, right? Let's get rid of that limiting belief that you have to have all the answers because that belief is constraining the possibility of you hearing answers beyond the ones you know. Right. It goes back to Marshall's classic book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. So many leaders, uh, we hear this all the time. They say to us, well, I've gotten all this way. I've been elevated to this position based upon my skills and um, you know how I've performed in the past. So I think I'm doing pretty well. But they, what they don't realize is that at some point, those things that may have even been skills or gifts to them uh, throughout their career be- eventually become a limiting factor. 
you know, for example, let's say someone is really detail oriented, so they get recognized for the high quality work that they're doing. But at some point, being very detail oriented as a leader of a certain level starts looking a lot like micromanaging, and it's going to impact their ability to scale themselves. And so, uh, you know, it takes some level of willingness to really examine oneself to get rid of old ways of of seeing. Uh, yeah, I'm just going back to your question, like what sabotages your own success? Um, and I'm listening to Jacqueline. I'm thinking, yeah, like your own success sabotages your own success. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like your own, like what what got you here gets you in the way, gets in the way of getting where you want to go. Right. Uh, and I think a lot of leadership, and this is where coaches come in so handy. Uh, a lot of leadership is about letting go of the things that that have given you comfort and security all the way to here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's embracing the journey, uh, knowing that there is more growth ahead. Uh, and I, I would say the other major challenge is when people are really negative. You know, they're very quick to shoot down ideas. Oh, that won't work. Oh, that won't work. Um, mm. They may not believe there is another way. So, it, you know, it's kind of this combination of, you know, these the two main challenges, I would say, are this, you know, this idea of a little bit of arrogance to say, I, I got where I need to go. I don't know if I need to change anything. And the other side of that is this negativity that says, I don't know if I can change anything. I don't know if it'll make a difference. I don't know if anything will work. Uh, and if, if someone can, you know, let go of those and hold this balance of humility, you know, and this openness, willingness to, to really examine oneself, and they pair that with this level of confidence that says, I can make a change and it is going to make an impact. Uh, I'm willing to try something new. Uh, that's a really beautiful combination that opens someone up to uh, getting the benefits of coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the combination of humility and confidence, it sounds like they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. And yet... Um, it's not that you, um, you know, it's not about confidence in yourself. It's confidence in just trusting the process, just right. being open to trying and not fearful. And like you said about not letting go. Right. Um, and, and the humility to recognize, like you said, what um, just because I got here on these skills doesn't mean I have what it takes to get to the next level. And what is that? What is that for me? Right. So we're um, reaching another ad break. Um, and what I'd like us to sort of talk about when we come back from the ad, ad break is how this ties into leadership identity development, because, um, you know, once you have some successes as a leader at an earlier stage in your career, you start connecting your identity to those skill sets this is who I am. These are my skills. This is what I can do, right? And if we believe in this idea, right, of Marshall Goldsmith's what got you here won't get you there, that means you have to shed something about your leadership identity in order to develop a broader leadership identity, that next level. So I'm sort of curious, how can becoming coachable help us with this le- the, the flowing, changing leadership identity development in our lives? So Ad break. I'm going to drop that bomb and then I'm going to go into the ad break. (laughs) We're um, you're watching the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku and our guest Jacqueline Lane and Scott Osmond. And we're talking about becoming coachable. We'll be right back after the break. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. 
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome, welcome back to The Hard Skills with me, Mira Bronco, and our guests, Jacqueline Lane and Scott Osman, who are with um, the 100 Coaches Agency and wrote the book, Becoming Coachable. So where we left off before the break is trying to tie what it takes to become coachable with what it takes to develop your leadership identity over the course of your career. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on sort of like um, the connection between those and the integration. Yeah, the identity question is such an important one. I think that's at the core of so many uh, leadership questions and some of the, so much of the work that we're doing. Um, But I find that, you know, the process of becoming coachable uh, is really helpful in that. And I think the, the key indicator of that is the word becoming, right? That we are really in this process of becoming, not arriving. We're constantly reinventing. We're constantly improving. Uh, we hear leaders come to us all the time and say things like, oh, mm. if I'm going to be coached, do I need to change? And, and you know, we yeah. tell people all the time, like, of course, you know, that is a part of it. And the next question naturally is, is does that make me less me? And the answer is no, it doesn't make you less you. You are still you, uh, but we can all become better versions of ourselves all the time. And that's what the becoming coachable process is all about. Um, and so we want to help people yeah. access that. I, I love the leadership identity question because <clears throat> particularly when you're getting to leaders in the highest levels, <clears throat> you know, your identity as you're growing as a leader is often tied to a skill set. Mm. You know, you're the great technology leader. And you're working your way up into becoming a senior leader in technology. Uh, And then all of a sudden, you're asked to take a role beyond that, where you're no longer responsible for the functional part, but you're actually responsible for leading other people. Um, And and I have to say, like, my heart goes out for everybody who makes that transition because leadership just feels like an unnatural act, Mm. right? I mean, your whole life, you get A's, you do well, you're successful. You have these skills that you're getting rewarded for all the time. And now you have to let all that go. And worse, actually worse, you have to, you have to celebrate others for doing what you used to do so well, well, right? So they're getting all the accolades and now you're stepping back. Um, and your identity has to go from being the person who is the focus of success to the person who creates success in others. And that is a massive difficult shift um, that only great leaders get to make Uh, because I think that any leader who doesn't make that shift, who stays connected with their skill set can never take the position of leading other people's and helping them create their fullest self. Um, And it's, it's tough. Yeah. Really tough. I mean, the other thing we see too is with leaders who are making a transition out of an organization. So especially in the case of retirement, uh, they become very used to an identity associated with a certain title or position or authority. Uh, and Marshall tells a lot of stories about executives who make that transition into retirement and lose a sense of self or a sense of meaning uh, because, you know, th- so you know, their jokes are no longer funny. They're no longer being wined and dined by some of the people that used to come around all the time that, you know, it and the whole dynamic shifts. Uh, but it does become this process of letting go of reinvention and those people who can make that transition and find mm-hmm. deep meaning in their life uh, and can really find another way to contribute 
uh, and, uh, you know, attached to that purpose that they feel, those are the people who go into retirement well. They recognize that their leadership journey is not over, even if they've retired from a major yeah. role. Yeah. And what, you know, what I'm hearing is number one, these are hard skills, folks. Hard, it's hard. It's not easy. And um, that said, it's incredibly fulfilling, you know, to, to be able to get to that point where um, you can find ways to make that kind of impact as well as let go of old stuff that is no longer serving you or others. It's hard, but incredibly fulfilling because um, that, I mean, leadership is, leadership development is personal development. I always say this, it's you learning how to develop yourself from the inside out. Um, And the reason that I I like this question a lot around like identity development is I work mostly with women in leadership. And one of the most important like cruxes of their um, work that um, they often seek coaching for, um, they don't realize they're seeking coaching exactly for this, but this is kind of the, the challenge for them is that up until a certain point in your career, not only have you learned to be successful because of your technical expertise, but for women, for marginalized folks, they, they learn how to be successful within a certain environment that tells them you're acceptable in this way because you are serving other people and you're nurturing other people and you're, um, and so you develop this incredible skill set to understand what other people need and be of service to others, for example, or look a certain way, look, look the part. And then you get to this point in your career where all of a sudden the same things that have worked really well, now you're told um, you need to speak up. Wait a second, but I was told to not speak up. And that was a good thing. You need to be more confident and take more risks. Wait a second. You told me to hang back, to, you know, be small, not take up too much space. And now I have to do the opposite. It It's right. very jarring to switch like that. And you start wondering, like, is this about me? Is this about me not being successful in my role? What is this? So letting go of um, who am I versus what is the societal message that I've incorporated that I need to let go of now because it no longer is of service to me, right? Mm-hmm. Is like a big, deep thing to face. And in, in in order to be able to get through that so that you can sort of like think about what kind of leader do I actually want to be and show up as at this next level, it's all of this stuff that we're talking about, right? Right. And and I think what you're sharing is part of why leadership feels so lonely for people, because not only are they going through some of these questions and inner dialogue and, uh, you know, it, it, but it's also very lonely. There's not really a lot of people you can share this with. It wouldn't be appropriate, let's say, to share this with, um, you know, far and wide within your organization. And so having the support system of a coach or some other person becomes such an important piece of being able to ask these questions, have a safe space to explore them. Uh, because let's be honest, reinvention is, is somewhat scary. We have mm-hmm. to let go of some of those deeply held beliefs and identities uh, and really call them into question in order to grow and reach the next level. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk about this timing piece. When might um, it be time to get a coach? How do people know that? What's what's the right time? What and and are there different time points that um, it makes sense? Right. So we there, there's a framework that we have now for describing the type of people that we want to work with and who we think are best fit for coaching. Uh, we say that they're value creators, so people who are contributing a lot of value to their organizations. Uh, that are at an inflection point. So that can that inflection point can be personal, like a transition, or it can be a shift in a market condition, uh, whatever the case may be. There's some inflection point where they recognize that navigating this inflection point well is going to create a lot of value for me and my organization, and navigating it poorly could have some consequences. 
Uh, and so, and then the third piece of it is that we like to say is are the, in being open to flourishing. And that's even going back to what you were sharing earlier, Mira, about uh, leaders who have been told some of these tendencies about putting other people first, always, we might call that people pleasing, right? And people who are, you know, when, so we have this framework in our book where we talk about the four different approaches that a person can have to how they lead and how they approach their work. Um, and people pleasing is on that, of course, um, you know, perhaps laudable in the instinct that it's putting its cares deeply about other people. Uh, but, you know, at the expense of self, and that's not really healthy either. And so uh, what we encourage people to do is move away from that and shift into this idea of flourishing, which is to say, I can flourish. Uh, I can succeed. I can create value for myself, value for my organization, balance for myself, my my teams. Um and, you know, in doing that, they're creating flourishing and modeling flourishing for everyone around them. Uh, and so. Yeah, I think it's a it's a hard thing to hold on to. But when you get there, it feels so natural. Um, this idea that uh, and mathematically makes total sense. Uh, if you can create expansion for everybody. Right. So that so that the entire organization, or at least your group, uh, is creating more value then the very nature of that means you're going to create more value for yourself. Mm hmm. And if you're in the other positions, I think our, um, our framework is striving is, uh, you know, you're, you're extracting value for yourself. Uh, people pleasing is you're extracting value for somebody else. So you're still taking value away. It's for somebody else, which seems like it's better, but it's still extractive. Uh, rising, a rising leader is creating more value, but really mostly for their own benefit. Um, everybody benefits, but they benefit a little bit more. But the, the one that we, we think everybody should aspire to is the flourishing leader who recognizes that by creating, you know, the old metaphorical bigger pie, uh, everybody has a bigger slice. And even though it's and this is the hard part, even though percentage wise, your slice ends up being smaller. Mm. Right. It's still more and more for everybody. Um, and if you can get there, then, you know, the, the possibilities really are limitless. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember, um, you know, my, my own leadership journey and you start wondering like, um, how, how do you help other people recognize that, um, it doesn't help to, um, hoard, hoard all the leadership, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and some people, the stuck point there is that they, um, feel bad um, delegating to others. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, right. like I don't want to put the burden on other people. And, you know, I often say that like what I realized is that once I mastered something, I didn't need to hold on to it forever. I got it. I mastered it. I can train somebody else up. They can have the opportunity. Now I have more space and time to master other things to have a greater impact, greater reach, and then pass that along and then pass that along. And the, um, the reach from that perspective is so much greater. So there's no need to hang on because there's more to be had. <laughs> That's exactly right. right. Elevating That's others right. doesn't ha doesn't mean we are lowering ourselves. I mean, elevating others is the nature of leadership. Mm. And yeah. it actually yeah. elevates us too. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are um, reaching a um, another ad break. I see that we have um, Emmanuel Oduro on YouTube. Hi, Emmanuel um, from Ghana. Welcome today. And thank you for listening. I'm glad that you're enjoying our, our time here. We will be right back with the hard skills in just a moment. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome, welcome back to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and with our guests today, Jacqueline Lane and Scott Osman of Becoming Coachable. And um, we are talking about the impact on becoming coachable with leadership identity de- development and um, what that means. Now, um, I'm thinking about what we were just talking about the, the timing of coaching. And you were starting to talk about um, there's an inflection point. You have to be open to flourishing and um, you got to be a value creator. And you started describing like, in what way can you be a value creator? Um, Mm -hmm. One way is people pleasing, right? Um, But that is just value for others and not for you at all. Right. Um, then you also started sharing about striving and rising. Let's talk about those two areas and how do you move from a striving or a rising leader to a flourishing and why would you want to? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, if we think about this on the, the classic two by two grid, right, uh, with the X axis, that's the horizontal axis going from me on the left-hand side to we on the right-hand side. Uh, and then on the vertical axis or the Y axis, uh, on the bottom, it's going to be extractive. And on the top, it's going to be expansive. Uh, so if we think about what's in that lower left-hand corner, that would be striving. So the striver is really focused on uh, trying to, to do something for their own benefit. So this, I would say my early career, uh, this was really a description of me. Uh, I was someone who was really spinning my wheels. I was putting in all the hours. I was working really hard, was trying to get recognition, but still couldn't quite figure out how to create real value in my organization. Um, you know, still getting my feet under me and trying something new, didn't quite find the right fit within, uh, you know, an initial role. And so still wouldn't go quite into that uh, expansive category. It was still it was still somewhat extractive. And I was focused on myself. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, the risers are a lot of a lot of leaders that we would consider to be great leaders are risers. You know, they're uh, they're creating more value for the company. They're their teams love them. You know, they're helping their team support. But, you know, fundamentally, their interest is their own personal success. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of people benefit around them from their own personal success. But but eventually, um, putting yourself first feels like a huge limiting belief because you're never going to expand beyond your beyond your, your own your, uh, other side where you start putting other people first. Uh, not in a people pleasing way, but an expensive way. We're like, we're going to all grow together. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, like, I'm going to let other people come up with the ideas. Uh, even though I have a, this is my hardest thing. Like, even though I have the best idea, it's still important to let other people have their best ideas because very often their best ideas are better than mine. Uh, even more often, um, if their best idea is maybe not as good as mine, sometimes as good. Uh, it's still important to let those ideas happen because they get nourishment and fulfillment from those ideas. And, you know, you have to wonder, like, is my best idea so much better that it's worth diminishing this other person? And being open that way creates the kind of expansion that we're really looking for. Yeah. And I would Another guess... Another way, it's the rising leader. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Oh, 
another way to, to put this is the rising leader often views things as a competitive or zero sum way. Mm. And flourishing is really about this collaborative, non-zero sum way of leading. Uh, and that I think cre- is part of what unlocks yeah. that magic. Yeah. Yeah. And I would guess that maybe the greatest um, trappings for ourselves um, is when we're a rising leader and others are rising with us, but as kind of like an ancillary, but like we're not intentionally thinking about how to make that happen on a consistent basis. Isn't that right. right. That's a, yeah. That is exactly how I would describe it as well. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think to your point, when you, when you're really focused on putting everybody else first, um, not to the diminishment of yourself, but recognizing that we're, we're trying to lift everybody. Um, lots of great expansive things happen. Um, and when you get used to doing that, uh, candidly, it feels great, right? There's an ease to doing things. You have the support around you. People are, are doing their things to the best of their ability, which, I mean, let's face it. We, we all know any team is going to outperform any individual, right? There's just, there's just that much more capacity available. And that's, you know, ultimately what leadership is all about. Say your famous, your favorite line about a walk. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the John Maxwell saying is a man taking a walk, or um, a man with a leader with no followers is just a man taking a walk. <laughs> right, like followers are what it's all about, and engaging them and celebrating them and elevating them is the job of a leader. You know, at right. the end of the day, I mean, what else is there? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, what is the one thing? out of all of this good stuff here mm. that you would like people to take away from today? Hmm. I guess I would encourage people to, if you are feeling a little bit resistant or disbelief is the feeling that rises up, maybe suspend that disbelief for a moment. Try Just try taking the first step. Try being open to change, uh, which might lead you to being open to feedback and just seeing if you can engage in this process. And uh, And if it doesn't, doesn't make at least a little bit of positive impact in your life. But I think that's that openness, that a li- that first step is part of what gets this flywheel turning uh, and sets us all on our own journeys of growth and becoming. Yeah, I, I would offer, um, I think our biggest limitations are self-limitations, right? The things that we think about ourselves, even, even the biggest things we think about ourselves are often the things that contain our, our greatest growth and expansion. Um, and I think one of the great things that a coach can do, but, you know, also like good friends, uh, is to let you know that what you're thinking is holding you back um, and help you let go of those things so that you can really, um, you know, rise, rise into the expansion that is going to create a better world for all of us. You know, I mean, ultimately, each of us living our fullest self uh, is the world we want to live in. And it sounds, it used to sound a little, um, you know, woo-woo to me. Uh, and now, uh, and now I've watched leaders experience it. Um, and I think this is the time that, that leaders are going to lead us, uh, into the, into the, into the world we need to live in. And, and I don't think we have a choice, uh, except to follow. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, these are the kinds of leaders that we need more than ever today as leaders who know how to create a, um, an environment where everybody thrives and can think about that intentionally. And that takes a lot of personal work. Absolutely. Right? Certainly so, does. Hard um, work. If people, yeah, the hard <laughs> skills. <laughs> no kidding. Um, if people want to learn more about your work, where would they go? Um, so you can find the 100 Coaches Agency at agency.100, or 100coachesagency.com. Mm-hmm. Um, there you oh, go. There you or agency.100coaches.com. Both yeah. work. Uh, you can also learn more about our book, Becoming Coachable, at becomingcoachable.com. And it's yeah. also available on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, follow so, us on LinkedIn, Jacqueline Lane, Scott Osmond. Scott has a right. great weekly newsletter full of awesome insights uh, if you like some of that content. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So there are many insights we could pull out from today's conversation. They shared so much juicy stuff here. What did you take away from today, audience? And more importantly, what is one small change you can implement this week based on what you learned from Jacqueline and Scott? 
Share it with us on LinkedIn. You already heard we're all on LinkedIn, right? And also at talkradio.nyc so we can cheer you on. We're also on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Twitch, all over the place. But LinkedIn is where I live. So Mm. I would like to see some information about what small change you're going to implement based on this there. In addition to being a live show, we're on iTunes and Spotify. Go subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and share with others to help increase our visibility, reach and impact. And you can join us next Tuesday when we'll be talking with Laura Eigel about how values play into leadership identity. In this episode, we discussed one of many aspects of developing the nuanced hard skills needed to make an exceptional leader who can drive significant systemic change to make real impact. If you would like to explore how we can help you with leadership and team development services, you can also check us out at www.gotowerscope.com. Our Towerscope Leadership Academy full membership program will be opening up again in early 2024. So be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, hear about the application process when it goes out. It is a competitive process. You don't want to miss out on the information. Thank you to Talk Radio NYC for hosting. I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, your host of the Hard Skills Show. I went all the way through this show without coughing. Woo, woo, go me. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today, Jacqueline and Scott. Have a great rest of your day, wherever you're tuning in from. Great. Thank Thank you you so much. much. Thank you. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronco, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.